0: Welcome to today's uh, Seven Figures Club podcast episode, guys. Today we are in for a treat. We have Jim Britt. Jim is world famous. He's worked with some of the the greats from Tony Robbins. His business partner was Jim Rohn. And I just wanna read a quick little excerpt about his bio. So Jim's background spans all levels of experience and application. In addition to the many businesses he's launched over the years, he started his career as a business partner, like I said, with the late, great Jim Rohn for almost 10 years. Tony Robbins worked under his direction for his first few years in the seminar business. Jim's worked with more than 300 corporations around the world as a performance coach, helping executives and their employees and field leaders improve performance, access their true potential, and he lived, and, and lived lives filled with personal and professional advancement. Today, Jim presents seminars on personal achievement, entrepreneurship, small business success, network marketing, leadership, and all aspects of peak performance. He's also an amazing father of six sons, is that right, Jim? That's right, six of them. Wow, pretty, pretty amazing, six sons, uh, most of them entrepreneurial. And today, Jim has addressed thousands of audiences across the world, totaling well over 1.5 million people, all walks of life. He's made a tremendous impact. Jim, welcome to the show. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S., and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven-figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now, so buckle up and let's go. Hey, thanks, Leo. I appreciate it. Uh, It's great to be here. So we're excited to learn more from your journey, which has been a lifetime of entrepreneurship and making a massive impact on entrepreneurs, humanity, our country. But let's talk about, you know, Jim Britt back when he was young and he was growing up. What was your childhood like and what was Jim like in high school? Well, my
1: my childhood was... Uh... I would say it's a was a very, we had a very loving family. I had a brother and two sisters, my mom and dad. I never saw them fight. Uh, they, you know, they weren't uh, substance abusive or anything like that. They didn't drink. They didn't, they did smoke. They smoked cigarettes, but, um, but they were just, you know, a, a common family, uh, poor, um, loving, tried to take care of everybody that they could. And, um, and I got my, my first job was at six years old and uh was picking cotton Now,
0: really and where, where was this at Jim
1: in oklahoma oklahoma that's okay. where i grew up i, I and I, I tell people i escaped from there when i was twenty nine but <laughs> but I grew up in oklahoma and, and we had a we had a tough life you know in a way uh but yet looking back on it it was it was uh it, it was a great life it, you know even though we were poor we didn't have much money we had food to eat but sometimes barely. And, uh, you know, we moved, I would say, well, I never went to one school for a full year until I hit the, uh, ninth grade. Wow. So
0: You're moving every year. Practicing.
1: We moved all over the place. Okay. I mean, we lived all over Oklahoma. People say, what part did you grow up in? I don't know. I grew up everywhere, you know, except oh, for really? the uh, Northwest. I never lived in the Northwest part of the state, but, um, it was, uh, it was tough in that area because making friends, I was a pretty quiet person. So trying to make friends uh, was hard. And I'd finally make a friend and then we'd move. And then I'm in a new school and I'm, I'm thinking everybody's looking at you and you know how kids are. And, and I'm, I'm off in the corner shy. And um, so that part of it was was hard. But then I look back on that now and I'm going, that was probably pretty beneficial because now I can meet people anywhere. It doesn't matter. You know, I have the confidence to do that. So maybe I went through a lot of that for a reason, but you know, picking cotton taught me something. First of all, I made two cents a pound, two cents a pound and cotton doesn't weigh very much. Um, The whole family would go out and pick cotton. That's how we, that's how we made money for school clothes and school supplies and things like that. But we'd pick for about, about three months out of the year. And it's usually in the fall of the year and actually the schools let out for cotton picking season you know so for at least a couple three weeks so uh but i learned from that 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 you you really don't get ahead working hard you know working with your two hands you can only do so much um, i mean unless you're programming something or designing something with those two hands but working hard um so I, it taught me a lot, it taught me a work ethic, for one thing, because I always yeah. would strive to be better than I was the day before. And, and so I had that ambition, but, you know, never got ahead. And of course, I did cotton picking until I was, I guess, about 12. Uh, and then um, I dropped out of high school in the 10th grade. Uh, I was not a good student. Up until the eighth, I was pretty good. But after that, I don't know, I, I think I skipped more school than I went to. You know, some classes I just never went and they never missed me. You know, so I, I just didn't go 10th grade. I dropped out about halfway through. And that, that was it. Um, I got, uh, my, I got married at 18, uh, on a Friday and Monday, I started my full-time job pumping gas. And so I worked there for about two years and I made a dollar an hour and worked 60 hours a week. Um, tough, tough job, but yet, I tried to be the best I knew how to be, and and you know we survived on it. And that my dream job was working in the factory on the assembly line, and uh, up the road about ten miles. And um, but I needed a high school diploma uh, to to work there. I took the general GED, I think they called it then, or the high school equivalency. Took it twice, flunked it both times. So still
0: wasn't. I've heard study. it's actually a really difficult test and it's well, way I mean, easier it was sometimes to actually be in school. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I made, I made like a 50% the first time and like a 59 the second time. So I, I didn't make it. So I thought, well, that's never going to happen. My dream job is, yeah, you know, I'll never get it. And one day a guy comes in the, in the station that's been in there a few times and we got into a conversation. Turns out he was a supervisor and he said, man, you should be working in the factory. And I told him, you know, no, no diploma. And he said, I can pull some strings. He said, if you'll come in and take this kind of a dexterity test and you put square pegs and square holes and that type of thing, he says, "Uh, I'll get you on. Week later, man, I got my dream job. (laughs) And so I worked at the factory. Yeah. And it was a buck 67 an hour. So I got a raise, but I only got to work 40 hours a week. So, um, so I didn't, I, I didn't. Financially, didn't do any better. I just got to work inside and work forty hours a week. Yeah. And it was late one night. I was working the swing shift, and um, a guy comes by my my area that I you know, I kind of knew casually. He's from another area, and he's spoken a few times. And he said he stopped and he said, "Hey, Britt." He said, "You gonna work in this factory the rest of your life?" I'm going, "I don't know, man. Maybe." And he said, "Well, come go come go to this meeting with me." Uh, tomorrow night. He said, Your night off. He said, Come go to this meeting with me. I think it's something we can do to make some extra money. I said, well, What is it? He said, I don't know. They just told me to bring somebody with me. And I said, Well, I'm not your guy. <laughs> I said, I'm not going if I don't know what it is. He said, Come on, man. He said, I'll buy the beer afterwards if you go. I said, Well, what time is that meeting? So I, I went for the beer, not for the meeting. But I sat through a life changing event for me. Um, uh, it, it was about an hour long and about halfway through this fellow started talking about the amount of money you could make. And I sat up in my chair, boy, the lights went on. And the more I watched it, I said, I can do this. I can do this. And I said, not only can I do it, but I, I'll get rich doing it. And I didn't know what rich was really, but uh, more than I was making. But I saw people there that were making eight, ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 a month back in you know, like 1970. I'm going, wow, that's a lot of money. I mean, I didn't make half that in a year. So, so at the end of the meeting, the guy says, well, you can start for $3, $300 or $4,000. And I had $3. Actually, I had $9 in the bank. That's all I had. And um, and for some reason I said, I'll do the 4,000. I, I didn't even know anybody that had $4,000. And So I told him, I'll go to my bank and borrow the money. Well, my my banker turned me down and I threatened to move my $9 out of his bank into another bank and didn't seem to bother him that much. (laughs) But, uh, I went to another bank and filled out an application and another bank and another bank. I exhausted the bank, started going to loan companies, these high interest rate loan companies on number 23, which was the last one that I could find that guy loaned me the money and I got started. Okay. And I was so determined, but the, the guy uh, that night, he said, he did a little training. He said, your job is talking to people. He said, if you talk a little, you'll learn a little. If you talk a lot, you'll learn a lot. And I said, well, how much is a little? He said, one a day. I said, well, how much is a lot? And he said, 10 a day. I said, I'll do the 10. So I quit my job the next day at the factory, which I shouldn't have done, but I did, <laughs> And and I went out to talk to ten people every day. I had no idea what to say or, or how to sell anything. And every day I talked to ten people for a year.
0: And, and what are you selling? What what are you? What is the, the
1: uh, soap, product or service? Soap. Okay. So it wasn't Amway, but it was a company yeah. kind of like that. Okay. And and it was. Um, and I was selling the business opportunity. That's, they said, that's where you make your money, setting up other distributors. And so that was really what I was focused on more than selling a product. And so I went out there for a year. And at the end of the year, I had talked to 3,650 people minimum that all told me no. <laughs> and, and I had lost my home. I, was, I, was fi- I had a notice on the door from the sheriff saying, you've got to be out in five days. I'd lost both vehicles. I lost all of my furniture. My phone was disconnected. Everything was gone. I had a wife, a child, and 15 cents in my pocket. And the one thing I knew I wasn't going to do was quit. Now, I I probably should have. There's probably 100 times during that year that I could have quit and should have quit, but I didn't. I just kept going. I started losing things and foreclosure, and I just kept going and kept going. I thought, it's got to happen sometime. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I kept hearing these other people making all the money and I couldn't figure it out. So there was a knock at my door and a fellow shows up from the company and he said, I understand you're a hard worker and you're not making any money. We sat in my floor for two hours and he taught me what I needed to be doing and what I was doing wrong. And the next month I made $2,600. The next month after that, $6,000. Then it went to over 12,000. And within, um, within six months, I was making 40,000 a month. It, and that was a lot of money. And, back and this is the seventies. You know.
0: That's a <laughs> yeah. lot of money.
1: Yeah. A lot of money. And, and I took some of that money and invested in another business, not the same type of business, but another business. And by the end of my second year as an entrepreneur, I was a millionaire. So that's how fast, and I could have quit. And if I'd have quit, I'd have probably gone back to the factory and got my old job back. But I didn't quit.
0: And Jim, that might the, that might be the best story I've heard. Valuable I've, lessons. That's unbelievable. So in year one, you dive completely in. You're not getting any traction, no sales, and you're losing everything. You know, you've got a wife and a child to provide for, and. And then at the very, now the key thing, this guy from the company comes and sit, sits down. What does he tell you? What does he <laughs> ask you? What, what changed question. after that, that, that uh, sit down?
1: So he says, uh, well, tell me about what you're doing. So I told him, you know, 3,650 people and how I track my numbers and all of that. And he, he said, well, obviously that's not working for you. And he said, let me ask you this. He said, how do you know if you have a viable prospect? I said, I guess if they buy from you. He said, no. He said, how do you know if there are even a potential to buy from you? I said, I don't know. He said, well, obviously you don't. <laughs> he says, let me give you a hint. He said, "There's you have to arrive at three destinations in order to have a viable prospect. Number one, do they have a pain or a problem? Number two, do they want to solve it? And number three, can you solve it? He said, if they if they don't have a pain or a problem, you don't have a prospect. You know, if, if if they don't want to solve it, you don't have a prospect. And if you can't solve it, you don't have a prospect. So he said, You got to have all those three things in alignment. And I said, Well, how do I know if they have a pain or a problem? He said, Well, it's not what you've been doing. He said, You've been out there flapping your jaws for a year and getting no results. So it's not about talking. He said, A hint. And I said, I don't know. And he said, it's about asking questions. How are you going to discover whether they have a pain or a problem? He said, you go into a car dealership and first thing you do when you put your leg out the door, somebody comes up to you and said, what are you looking for today? And you know, what model, what color, what price range, what payments, what, you know, he said, they're qualifying you. And I said, they're trying to figure out if you're a prospect. So, um, he said, you've got to ask questions and listen. And I said, well, what kind of questions? He said, it really doesn't matter. I'm, I'm getting confused now and I'm going, well, why doesn't it matter? He's go, he goes, you've got to get into a conversation. He said, if you're at a party someplace or you meet somebody, you know, out in the park or wherever, you meet somebody. He says, and you want to get to know them. What do you ask them? Well, I said, I'm I ask them what kind of work do they do or you know, do you have a family? Do you have kids? Do you have, you know, what do you do for fun? That, he said, yeah. I said, but what, what's, how's that going to tell me anything? He said, you get into a conversation and you ask questions and listen, they're going to unload every problem they've got on you if you want, if you want to ask that many questions. And I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll try it. He said, but you got to listen. He said, that's the key. Ask the question and be in tune and listen. He said, then here's another uh, thing for you. He said, if you live your life this way, you'll never lack for money. I, he said, every time you meet a person, always be thinking, what can I do to help this person? He said, not, not about selling them something. He said, if you're just you know, on an airplane and you meet somebody, um, he said, just be thinking, what can I do to help this person? He said, maybe you're giving them a referral, maybe you, you know, whatever. And, and, and I've lived that my life that way since. And, and it's the most beneficial thing. I've helped so many people not getting paid for it and I'm not selling something. I'm just looking for, what can I do to help that person? And I'm always looking for that pain or problem that I can help solve. And if I, if I can solve it, I'll solve it, whether I get paid for it or not. And I've developed an incredible network of people all over the country, all over the world, actually, as a result of that. So it's a great philosophy, no matter what you do uh, for a living.
0: So Jim, what you've just shared there today is more valuable than any business MBA or any, you know, any expensive university degree will ever teach us. And that's that find someone who has a problem, you know, find out if they want to solve it and then solve it for them. And and it's funny, I'm, I'm reading a book, uh, you know, one of my mentors said the same thing. Hey, if you can solve a problem that people have better than anyone else, you'll never have any issue finding business. And for you now, after you learned that you literally you went from the that's the rags to riches story, in, in about two years, that's well, it was just fun. I mean, simply it was remarkable. Bit,
1: in fact, you know, I'd never deposited a, a check more than maybe sixty or seventy dollars ever, and uh, you know, with my my weekly paycheck, dollar uh, sixty seven an hour, take out taxes, and you know, I didn't have much left. And and I remember p- depositing the twenty six hundred, and I was a little nervous about that. But when I went to six thousand, and I remember walking into the bank with a, 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 almost a forty thousand dollar check, and and I'm going, are, are they going to think I I stole this or what? You know, Probably. <laughs> I, it, it was it was uh, it was going against my 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 self worth, you know. At the time, I'm just going. 40,000. Am I worth this? You know, what are they going to think? You know, I walk into the bank and the the banker that turned me down for the, for the first loan. Now he's calling me Mr. Britt when I walk in the door. So it was, it was quite a, quite a turnaround. It felt good, you know, but yeah. And you know, today people, people ask me, how do you handle rejection? Uh, And I'm going, I, I I did that already. (laughs) I did that for a year. (laughs) I don't have to do that anymore. You know, I had plenty of a rejection. I learned to eat it for breakfast. And he said, well, what do you do when you get down? I said, I've been down. I don't go there anymore. There's nothing down there. So why go there? It's all made up stuff in your mind anyway. So just make up something better, you know, keep moving forward. Jim, and, let
0: me ask you something. So if you had not gotten the $4,000, you know, up the, the top level, top tier package, and you'd gotten the, the $300 or the $3 one, do you think you would have, you know, do you think you'd be where you're at right now?
1: I don't think so. Because it would have been easy to get, easy for the $3 package, but there was no money in it. You know, you had to, you really didn't make any money. And in the $300 package, maybe you could make two 300 a month, maybe. And that didn't interest me because I was already doing that. So it just, in fact, the, the fellow doing the meeting, uh, as, as that $4,000 package, he wrote the figure $2,000 a month up on the board. And that's when I really set up and thought two grand a month, man, this would be, uh, I could get a new home. I could do that. I could, all this stuff going through my mind. And I just committed myself right then. And I, I, I have yeah. learned something over the years, not only, not only from my own experience, uh, I've learned from other people's experiences as well, and you know a lot of the people that I I hang around with, you know, the top speakers and people like that. Uh, But I interviewed twelve mega millionaires and one billionaire. They all were worth over two hundred million, and they had to have started with nothing, and they were all in different industries. And I took a camera crew around the country and interviewed these people, and. it was fascinating. About the second or third interview, I'm going, you know, this sounds familiar. It's almost like they have the same traits. And, and sure enough, pretty much every one of them had, had a different way of saying it, but they had the same traits uh, almost exactly. Let, so let's define you
0: know, those. What, what are, are those values why. and principles and traits that these amazingly successful people had? Well, I
1: looked at myself and figured out that I had those as well. So, uh, number one, uh, you have to have a desire to change. That's, that's first and foremost. But, and there's some people that don't have a desire to do anything. They just want to you know, live their life and get by. But, there, if, but if you stood on a street corner in any, any city in this country or any place around the world and asked people if they'd like to make more money, and if you asked a thousand people, you'd probably get a thousand yeses from the homeless person on the street to uh, a corporate executive making a million a year. You'd probably get a yes. I want to make more money. But the reality is very few do. Very few break out of that. I don't know what you call it. Uh, a, a getting by mentality. You know, you get a job, you make a you make a living. Uh, you adjust your, your your lifestyle to that, that uh, paycheck, and then you get a raise in pay, and you up your lifestyle just a little bit. And so we're always just living paycheck to paycheck, basically, or a little bit behind and big debt and that type of thing. So if they have a desire that it starts there, and I always had that burning desire from the time I was six years old. I wanted to be the best I knew how to be, not the best cotton picker, not the best factory worker, even though I became the best factory worker out of a 9,000 people within a few months, but I didn't strive to do that. I just competed with myself, but I had a desire to do something more, but I I just couldn't figure it out. And, and this came along. So desire is not enough, but you have to have that. And the second thing is, which is so critical is you've got to be willing to make a firm decision that doesn't allow for anything less than that. Not how to get there. Let's, say, let's talk financially. Um, let's say somebody makes a decision they want to be a millionaire. They want to have a million dollars cash liquid in the bank. Um, most people will go looking for the opportunity before they make the decision. But that's, that's, a, that's a faulty approach. Because when you make a decision to have something, when I sat there that night, and I said, I'm going to get rich doing this. Now, I didn't know what rich was, but I I knew it was way, a lot more money than than I had. And then I was earning. So once you make a decision to do something, your view of the world changes. And the view that the world has of you changes. So when you think about that, if I didn't want to make a million dollars, I wouldn't see the opportunity. I wouldn't even look for the opportunities. Why would I? Why would I open my mind to an opportunity to make a million dollars in, in the next year? So, but but if you decide to do it, now your mindset has changed and it determines how you show up. And, you know, if, if you go out to raise money, people buy they for a business. The investors buy you first before they buy anything else. If they don't buy you, then, you know, if you don't have the right mindset and they don't feel good about you, they're not going to put the money in even as best product ever. So you got to, you're going to make that decision. And that applies in any area of your life. It could be finances. It could be uh, health. It could be losing weight. Um, you know, if you're going to do it, you know, we live in a, we live in a black and white world. We don't live in a gray world. And, every action you take once you've decided to do something is going to move you toward that or away from it. It's that simple. You want to lose weight, but yet you want to stop at McDonald's or some fast food place and have lunch. It doesn't work. You know? So a lot of people make decisions. If, if that was a decision, that circle, most people make decisions with a little opening at the top. <laughs> and that's their escape route. That's their excuse as to why it didn't work. But you got you to gotta close that gap, man. And it's got to be firm. And, and that's what I learned from my, my first business. But I see it in all of these people. They make decisions and they go for it. And as soon as they make the decision, they take action. They don't wait. They don't wait to get everything in order. They don't wait. Now, some things you got to get in order, but there's also actions you can take now that, that will advance you toward that objective. Um, so it may be little steps in the beginning and maybe big steps, but people are, you know, I see it all the time back in the direct sales thing, well, I can't get started until I have my business card. I'm going, come on, let's just go. I don't even have a business card. Why not? I said, because people rem- remember me, <laughs> I don't need to give them a card to remember me. <laughs> and, and that's, you know, that's, that's the way it works. You, you've got to, you got to make the decision. You got to have the decision, take action on a daily basis. And, um, and I saw people back then, they'd go out and talk to eight or 10 people and, and you know, business doesn't work. They quit. Well, let me ask you, if you invested two, three, four hundred thousand $400,000 into a business and eight people came in your store and didn't buy, would you quit? No, because you have a big investment, but $4,000, yeah, maybe I can lose that and move on uh, or 300 for sure. I'll talk to two people and if it doesn't work, I I haven't lost that much. So, um, so you've got to, you got to take action, um, on a daily basis that moves you in the direction you want to go. Um, you know, you want to write a book, well then at least write a page every day. I learned, I've written 15 books and, and English was my worst subject. Uh, that's why I quit school. In fact, um, but most of my books are about 300 pages. And when I decide to write one, I usually write it in about thirty days, and I write ten pages a day. Not that hard to do, you <laughs> know, three thousand words or so, and you've got it done, and and in, uh, in thirty days. Um, so uh, you got to move forward on on your project, um, and then um, in today's world, especially, but I think even back then, you've got to be bold, and you've got to do things that. That the average person out there is not willing to do, and all of these people that I interviewed were were bold. I mean, from Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank to Barbara Carquen from Shark Tank to Bill Bartman, who was one of the twenty third richest men in America at one point. Uh, you know, uh, they they were all bold. I mean, uh, uh, just amazing. Uh, you know, to 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 be around them, and so you got to put yourself in the spotlight because the spotlight's not going to track you down. You got to take center stage. You got to put yourself out there. You got to take some risk. And I'm not saying being reckless, but you got to take some risk. Um, you know, otherwise, you know, might as well put a sheet over your head and put you in the corner and bring you three meals a day. And yeah, live out your life that way, but what a way to live. You
0: know? so. All right. Amazing stuff. Let's define it for everybody listening. So the first thing you talked about was this desire, this burning desire for more, that there's more to life, that there is this amazing life that we can all have, but we have to have the desire to make that choice. And then that's the next step, the decision. You're making a decision and there's no plan B. There's no fallback plan. It's I'm going all in. And usually there is a form of financial investment. In this case for you, it was the high $4,000 package because people who pay, pay attention and the same person that could have gotten the same thing, but it was given to them for $5 or for free, they're not going to take the action because they haven't paid. They haven't made that investment. So once you've, you've made the decision, you've gone all in, there's no plan B then it's consistent action that you're taking and you're getting closer every single day. And that's a good start, but then you've got to be bold. You have to, you know, you have to be in the spotlight and you have to you know, do things different and think different than everyone.
1: Exactly it. I mean, and, and you know, the, the amount, the amount that you invest in something or, or the commitment you have toward it, um, it varies sometimes because I, I I met a woman one time that that uh, that started in a direct sales company, and she put in she borrowed fifty dollars, and she said if if you'll if, if no she didn't she she talked somebody into buying a fifty dollar product from her, and the minimum to start was fifty dollars. So she got the product, bought the product, and then sold it, and got her fifty dollars back. And then invested in the company, with her fifty dollars. And then when she when she would sell another package, she would save that money, sell another, save that money. Pretty soon she put in more money, and came to a higher level, and she ended up a multimillionaire, starting with fifty bucks and that she borrowed. So you know, you could do that, but not too many people will will go to that extreme. You know, they they want it faster than that, but she had the vision and I've seen multiple. I saw an 80 80 year old grandmother that was living in her car, completely broke. And six months later, she's making like 20 grand a month. And she's, and, and I saw her on stage earlier and she was shaking like this with the microphone. And six months later, man, she's commanding an audience of, of a thousand people uh, just pacing back and forth on the stage and saying, you think you can't do this? Let me tell you my story. So there's people like that, but you got to have that kind of passion uh, to an intention to do it. Um, And I was asked on a panel um, a few years back, what's one, what's one thing that you've learned to the, to, to, that's been the most beneficial to you in your career. And without any hesitation, I said, the ability to let go. And I said, well, let go of what? And I said, let go of failure, let go of uh, trying to control things you can't control. I said, people burn up, they burn up all of their energy, focus on what didn't work. You know, the way I met Kevin Harrington Uh, I produced an infomercial, and Kevin was the infomercial king. He actually invented the television infomercial. As seen on TV. Yeah, as seen on TV. You're right. Uh, So I I produced this infomercial. Well, Kevin called me. I'd never met him before. He called me up, and he said, and this is Kevin Harrington. He said, I'm in the infomercial business. I didn't know who he was. And he said, I I just saw your show this morning. He said, what an incredibly professional-looking, one of the best shows I've ever seen he said, just incredible. Congratulations. I went, wow, that was, I mean, I, and when I found out who he was, I'm going, wow, that's pretty good. Cause, cause I produced it myself and, and, and he's the one in the business. I'm not in the business. And, but the ability to let go of something I learned with that one too, cause I ran that show one day and I ran it in like 50 stations and it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't pull. And so I made a couple of tweaks, spent another $50,000. And I'd spent almost a million dollars putting this thing together. And uh, I'd made those tweaks, put it back out there, tested it again, still didn't work. And I thought, okay, well, I just spent a million bucks. And so I, I, can, I can either feel sorry for myself or I can just move on and do something else. I mean, nothing I can do about it. I could keep throwing $50,000 at it, to trying to retest it, but I didn't. And I figured, well, I got some good video footage out of it. And, you know, that was it. Um, so, you know, letting go is not hard and people think it is. Sometimes it's harder, but we make it harder because we think we're hanging on to something that it protects us from something else, from that happening again. We hang on to that failure that we had uh, that protects us from it ever happening again. Because I don't want to forget that, but... You know, letting go to me is like if I'm carrying this pen in my hand, do I have to carry it in in my hand for the rest of my life? No, I can lay it down. That's how simple letting go can be, is to lay it down. If you can't can't correct it, there's something, action you can take, something you can do, um, by all means, take action. But if there's not, let go. Move on. Otherwise, you're, you're just, you're burning up energy, your creative energy, your, your stamina, you're, you know, it, you're just, you're burning it up. And I think most people spend about 80% of their time in what I would consider a non-resourceful state of mind, thinking about tomorrow, worrying about the past. Was well, this going to happen? Can I pay the bills? Can I do that? Instead of focusing on what gets results, so you don't have to worry about all those things so much easier to make money than it is to be broke. <laughs> I think you'll agree with that. Even if you've never been broke, <laughs> You know, I have. So, oh, 100%. Uh, you know, so it, it's, it's easier to do the, to do the job. So the ability to let go, I think is a, a critical one. And I saw that in all of these people, um, Bill Bartman, a good example. Unfortunately, he passed away recently and uh, bill was a great guy, billionaire, um, he was worth, uh, 20, I think 23 billion at one point, yeah, uh, quite a, quite a while back. Um, and, uh, we became close friends and how we did it was I called his office. I would I, heard about him. So I called his office and I, uh, and the woman answered and I said, uh, is Bill in, she said, he just stepped out for about five minutes. He'll be back. I said, well, could you have him call me? She said, well, who is this? I said, Jim Brett. He said, well, will he know you? And I said, he will when he gets on the phone with me. And she said, well, what's this about? Because he's he'll want to know. I said, well, just tell him I'm going to advance his financial status. And she goes, she laughs. laughs. And she said, okay, I'll tell him. I said, okay, here's my number. Five minutes, he calls me. <laughs> and we get in a great conversation, probably talk for an hour. And, uh, and later I interviewed him. And, and And I asked him, I said, Bill, why did you agree for me to interview you? He said, "Well, because you asked." And I said, "Why did you Why did you take my phone call?" He said, "I kind of curiosity got me." He said, "I kind of liked your approach." <laughs> so we became great friends after that. But uh, but you got to do things that are a little bit bold. I mean, what if he'd said, "No, I don't. I don't want to call him back. I haven't lost anything. So why not?" So that's you know, life can be so much easier and business can be so much easier if we don't complicate it and, and live in the past or the future.
0: No question. And so then throughout your career, you were able to do some pretty amazing things. You got uh, involved in the seminar industry after it seems, seems like direct selling there and network marketing. And uh, in, the, in the seminar industry, you partnered up with Jim Rohn, you were actually mentoring and coaching Tony Robbins at one point. Right. What was what was the start like in that seminar industry, and what were the results that you guys were helping people to get with that seminar industry? And well, obviously a lot of different things there.
1: A lot, yeah. But uh, how how it all came about? Jim Rohn, the first the company, the direct sales company I was involved in. Jim Rohn was a trainer there, and and he wasn't known. Nobody knew him except within that company, and we became friends. And, um, two years, two years later that company closed their doors in the U S and we didn't have cell phones or anything like that. So I moved, Jim moved and we lost touch with each other. We, we didn't, we didn't pass on new phone numbers or anything. And so I, I was like, God, I'd really like to connect with Jim Rohn again. I mean, uh, You know, I didn't know what he was doing. I didn't think about let's go in business together or anything like that. So I went. I flew to Arizona and in Phoenix, uh, looking at some property. I was going to do some building and uh, a warehouse building. And um, I walked into a a little coffee shop one morning to have breakfast. There sat Jim Rohn. (laughs) (laughs) And and and, uh, what I didn't realize that he he had a he had a place in Phoenix and he was building a bunch of houses. And I'm going, wow, I come to Phoenix to buy property, to, to, to do some building. <laughs> and so we sat down and had breakfast together. And he said, why don't you join me in business? I said, doing what? He said, promoting my seminars. And I said, well, how, how, how does that work? He said, well, we'll sell tickets for $15. And, you know, we'll rent a room. He said, I'll pay for the room rental. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I'm here and I'll do the seminar. You go out and sell the tickets and we'll split the money. So I thought, even if I'm, even if I sell a thousand tickets, I only make $7,500. And I thought, well, I really love Jim Rohn. So I like what he's doing. And I thought I'll do one. So <laughs> I, I'm surprised he even partnered up with me after this, but he, he rented a room for 400 people. That's what I told him I could put in the room. And I went out and I had about 450 people that said, yes, I'll be there. But what I didn't know is I didn't know I needed to collect the money up front. I thought they'll just pay at the door. Well, I had Jim comes down from, the, from his room at about 725 and the, and the seminar starts at 730. There's like four people in the room. And by 730, we have 14 people. And one of those people, uh, two of them, actually, one was a friend of mine. Uh, one was Tom Hopkins, the sales trainer.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah.
1: And one was my best friend who managed Tom Hopkins. So they both came. And, um, and Jim gets up and does, I think, the best seminar I've ever heard him do to 14 people in a room that would seat 400. And they're scattered all over the place. I'm just going, wow, how can he do that? You know, it just impressed me. And so I'm standing at the door. I feel about this high and Tom Hopkins walks out and, and I knew Tom pretty well. And uh, he walks out and he stops. He said, Jimmy, he said, that was one of the best seminars I've ever heard in my entire life. He said, but you need more people. He <laughs> walks on. I'm going... Oh my God. (laughs) It's like stick the knife in and turn it. And so Jim and I got together afterwards for, for a glass of wine. And, and, and I said, Jim, give me another chance. I said, I guarantee you, I'll have a thousand people in the room. He said, I said, but this time I'm collecting the money up front. And sure enough, I did. I, 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 I had capacity for the ballroom. So it was about a thousand people. And, and then uh, uh, a few months later, I decided to move to Southern California and, and open up that area. And so I had a, I had a, um, uh, I, I started hiring salespeople. Jim didn't know this. Uh, he said, you know, all I want seven fifty per ticket. Okay. So I raised the price of the ticket to 35 bucks and I was paying Jim seven fifty, And then I, I was paying my, uh, my salespeople, um, but I pay him like $15 to sell the ticket and, and I got what's left. And, and then I decided to raise it to $60 <laughs> and, and I paid like $30 to get it sold or 25, something like that. And, and then I told Jim. And so we, we, we started splitting you know, uh, what was left instead of him getting $750 because I was making way more money. And he had a little home study course that had six cassettes and six workbooks it, that he wanted to sell for a hundred bucks. And he said, you can have half of that. And he said, I'll take the other half and pay for the, pay for the product. And so I raised the price of that to $500 and, uh, and we split that as well. But uh, uh, then we ended up doing leadership seminars and that type of thing that we sold for. Uh, I think we sold for about a thousand bucks and uh, did those up at a ranch in Northern California, but just built a business around it. And, in, in Orange County, California, we had, we had about 1,000 people a week going through events uh, for, for at least five years. I mean, we, we, I think we had, at one point we counted, we had one-eighth of the population attended our events <laughs> in Orange County. Uh-huh.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> so, so it was, uh, and people would buy, we had round tables, and people would buy a whole table. And we had we had one one family that bought it every single month. Once a month, they bought that table, and the whole family came. And we just saw people transforming. And and Jim just had a way of presenting what he had and very simple stuff. You know, nothing complicated. And
0: um, what what were some of the uh, problems that you were solving for people? What were the solutions that you guys were presenting them at that time? That was just. Cause clearly it was unique. Clearly it was something that was different that not a lot of people were doing at that time. Yeah. yeah I was the first person ever to sell a ticket to a live event, a live seminar.
1: Uh, so, and it's took off from there over the years, but um, you know, it, it was a, a lot of different things. You know, Jim had, he had little, th- little sayings that he did, little stories that he told. And, um, I remember walking into a, a real estate office one time, and, and 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 I met with this woman. And I went into her office, the broker, and she had a sign behind her desk. And I'd sold her the ticket to the seminar. And she said, "I just want to thank you." And I said, "For for what?" She said, "Convincing me to go to that she's that seminar." And and the little saying she had on a plaque, a nice framed saying, was. Uh, you will endure one of two pains in life, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. And discipline weighs ounces, regret weighs tons. And, and she, said, that's, she said, that's really what I got from the seminar. Just that. Another woman who was also in real estate, um, as I, I went in, sold tickets to the group in an office. And this woman, uh, she said, I really want to go but I don't have the money. I said, so you don't have, uh, you know, $60. No, I don't have the money. I said, uh, and then she said, well, I do have the money but it's money for food for my son and I for the week. And I said, um, then you need to go. If that's all you have, you need to go. She said, you mean you would take my last $60 for this seminar? I said, yes, I would. I said, not for me though. I'd take it for you. She said, if you will take it, I'll give it to you. I just can't believe you'll take it. I said, hand it over. And she gave me her last $60. And, and I said, by the way, bring your son with you. And her son was, I think eight or nine, something like that. And um, she went on to be the number one salesperson for century 21 Um I don't remember if it was nationwide. They did a big write-up on her in a newspaper, and uh, I mean, she was making you know, huge amounts of money. And 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 in the, the write-up, she said, "What did it for me was this guy that came back and by and took my last sixty dollars to go to a seminar. Otherwise, I'd never be here where I am." And what she got out of it, I think, it just a lot of things. But when she when she left the seminar, she stopped at the door where I was standing. She hugged me. She thanked me. Uh, She was, she was in tears. And I looked at her son and I said, so what did you get out of the seminar? She said, he said, I learned that goals are things people get and wishes are for poor people. I said, all right. (laughs) So, now, I haven't tracked the son. I don't know where he is, but <laughs> what what he what what happened to him over the years. But you know, we just had a lot of great stories like that. That um, and different things. You know, it was all about being successful and being personally fulfilled. And and you know, we were focused on helping people in their business mostly. Um, you know, real estate, insurance, sales, different people, and and then they would start bringing their families there because they wanted their family to get this philosophy as well. And the newspaper would show up about once a month. And we get a front page thing from the newspaper, the Orange County Register. remember one of the first one that came out, it said, Jim Rohn, the prophet of profit. (laughs) So, and then that's how I started speaking was I developed a series of workshops about a a year into our our, uh, business. And and I started doing workshops uh, on each of Jim's subjects. And Cause he, he wouldn't do them. Jim just didn't do workshops. So I'd start doing that. And then pretty soon I'm getting uh, engagements and going out and speaking and, you know, making a little money. But I, I, I'll never forget my first engagement, big engagement was a red carpet real estate convention. And it was in uh, New York or New Jersey. And um, <clears throat> Jim was slated to speak there. And Jim's fee at the time to, to go for a keynote was $7,500. Well, Jim got caught in Australia and couldn't come back. So the guy calls up and he said, um, I, I, I had to tell him, you know, Jim's not going to be here. And he said, Oh my God, I promoted him. And he's, he's the big event. I've got pictures of him everywhere. And I said, man, I'm sorry. He's, he's stuck. He can't get out. Uh, no flights. He said, well, who else do you have that speaks? And I said, well, I do. And he said, "Um, are you any good? (laughs) (laughs) I said, yes, I am. Very confident. I wasn't that good at the time. He said, so what's your fee? And man, that really threw me off because I had no idea what, I I didn't know he was going to ask that question and I wasn't ready. So I I started to answer and I said, "Can, can you hang on one second? I said, somebody's at my door. There wasn't anybody at the door. So I stopped and went, what is my fee? <laughs> you know? And finally, I, I thought I can't charge what Jim Rohn does because I'm not as good as he is. All this stuff going through my mind. Finally, I go, oh, sorry about that. I said, my fee is what you're asking. It's 5000 And he said, uh, I said, plus expenses. And he said, okay, you got it. And I hung up the phone. I'm going, $5,000 for an hour? <laughs> <laughs> So that was my first paid speaking engagement. Uh, I had had a couple of others that were maybe a hundred bucks or something, but, and that, it, I just went from there and started developing uh, my own uh, materials and things over the years. And then I, you know, I kind of changed my philosophy in some areas and, and, you know, it's like, I don't believe in goal setting. Uh, People ask me if I write my goals down and go, no, I remember them. I don't have to write them down. And, you know, do I know what I'm going to do five years from now? I have no clue. None. I know what I'm going to do today, but not, not five years from now. Uh, and I'm not saying don't plan for five years, but I don't. Uh, I just let it uh, evolve as, as we go day to day. And, um,
0: and it always does. It evolves. And what you thought you'd be doing three years from now is completely different next month. And you're already on a different uh, trajectory. And, so. and
1: without that decision that you're making, goal setting doesn't work anyway. See, the, go- the decision is the foundation. The goals are the incremental steps to get there. And people have that turned around. They create their vision boards and they said, This is all of my goals. Well, where's the foundation? Where's the decision to have those? Because I tried those things too. I had vision boards. I had, I had stuff written in, on paper on my ceiling when I wake up in the morning some positive things, or here's what I'm going to accomplish, or a picture of a boat, or a new car, or whatever. And they were everywhere, they were on my mirrors, they were everywhere and never worked for me. So finally, I just kind of went day to day. So yeah, that's just me. And so it doesn't win in that the part day,
0: win in the day. So, yeah. and then in those early years, too, you, you had uh someone who was working with you and, and Jim, and that was Tony Robbins, yeah. So, uh, so how did that happen? And uh, and well, Tony. Tony,
1: uh, somebody sold him a ticket to, to the seminar, one of our salespeople. And um, um, so Tony attended and just got blown away with it. Uh, he was 18. Actually, he was 17. And then uh, he came to, uh, to, to get interviewed. He wanted to go to work for us. And I said, well, man, you're 17 years old. I can't hire you. So he comes back on his 18th birthday. And he said, now I'm 18. Now can I go to work? It'd only been a couple months or something. And he kept coming to the seminars too. He would hang out at the seminars. And um, so I said, Well, before you before you go to work, I said, You gotta you gotta go to all of our programs. I said, You gotta you gotta buy the home study course, you gotta go to the leadership retreat. And he said, Well, how much is all of that? And I said, total of a thousand and eighty dollars. He said, I don't have a thousand and eighty dollars. I said, Well, come back when you do. And I just passed him off. I mean, he was kind of a—he was six foot seven, and I'm six four, so I'm looking up to this this kid. And but he was kind of sloppy dressed, a little bit overweight, and you know, I think he had white socks on with his slacks, and you know, just like like a guy used to know, just pull—he'd take two colors, two different colors of socks and put them on. He didn't care. Uh, Tony wasn't quite that bad, but. But I thought, you know, this kid, I don't, he's not, never going to do anything, you know? So the next morning he comes in with the 1,080 bucks and drops it on my desk. He said, now can I go to, I said, well, as soon as you get the course and as soon as you go through the leadership. So he, he did all of that and he, and he came, came back and, um, and went to work. And he was, he was number one, I had 300 salespeople. He was number one his second month out of second
0: people. month.
1: Wow. <laughs> I mean, he was an animal and, and he kind of walked a little bit hunched over and I said, you know, you know, straighten up and where, you know, we've got to dress you. You got to, you know, you got to have a suit because back then everybody wore a suit and tie and three piece suits and stuff. And I sent him over to my tailor, Benny and I, and I called Benny in advance and I said, there's this great big guy coming over. And I said, Wh- whatever he wants to look at, look like, I said, here's what I want him to look like when he leaves. <laughs> so, So, you know, Tony dressed himself up and man, he went out there and tore it up, Uh, you know, and then he broke out on his own and, um, and I, I, and he had to come back to me for a little coaching on, on some things he was doing because he was broke again, trying to, trying to do it on his own and yeah, but he caught some breaks, man. I mean, he, um, you know, the, the walking on fire was one and uh, then the television infomercial, you know, that infomercial, my understanding ran for eight years every five minutes, someplace in the world.
0: So it's a lot of exposure, man. <laughs> it is. Did he ever tell you where he got the 1,080?
1: Oh, he went to the bank and borrowed
0: it. Oh, the just like, just to, like he you. The
1: bank to borrow it. I mean, at 18 years old, this kid, I mean, but that taught me that he could sell. Cause I, I mean, what banker is going to give you, you know, money like that. And uh, back then it was quite a bit of money. I mean, thousand bucks. And I, it was funny. I was up in Montreal uh, doing a seminar years back. And, uh, somebody said, did you know Tony Robbins is doing a seminar in the hotel next door? I said, no. So I'll go over there and, and have a chat with him. So said, yeah, he's in his uh, third day. And I was just winding mine up and mine was a two day. I had about, you know, 500 people. He had about 2000. And, um, uh, so I went over there and the room was empty. They were on break or lunch. And, um, I caught somebody at the door and I said, uh, uh, I want to, uh, I want to see Tony. Is he, is he here? He said, well, you, you, uh, do you have a ticket? And I said, no, I'm, I'm just a friend of his. He said, yeah, everybody's a friend of Tony's. I said, no, I'll tell Tony I'm here. I want to, I want to talk to him, you know? So we go way back and he, he said, yeah, right. He said, no, you can't come in. And so about that time, Tony's dad walks by the door and he goes, Jim, Brett, come on in, you know? So I go in and Tony's just coming back in from, from lunch back backstage and so I went back, we talked for a little bit and uh, he said, go out and have a seat, get, go get one of the front row seats out here. And he said, listen for a while. I said, okay. So I go out and sit down and I figured I'd stay for a couple of hours. And uh, he gets up and tells a story about how he got started. And, and, and when he gets to the part where the guy, the guy said a and 80 bucks and he says, and how he got, went out and got it. And he said, now some of you may not believe that story. But he said, the guy that took my 1080 bucks is right here on the front row. Stand up. <laughs> so at the next break, I've got this huge crowd around me, mostly wanting to know <laughs> what was it like working with Tony back then. You know? <laughs> it was pretty pretty funny. But anyway, we're still in touch today. He's a, he's a great guy.
0: Yeah, he, he definitely is. I remember we had the chance to sponsor uh, ClickFunnels' uh, live event that Russell Brunson does, and Tony was – one of the sponsors with us and the keynote speaker. And it was uh, phenomenal, you know, being, listening to him and message. So, so Jim, what, what an amazing life. And then, and then along the way you had six boys. And from what I understand, they've been very successful and entrepreneurial. And for a lot of us with kids, we we'd love to dream someday that our children become entrepreneurial, that they are successful and happy. What were some of the uh, keys to success in being such a great dad?
1: Well, I think uh, it's more, it's more about who you are versus what you say. Um, yeah, you know, they, they observe you, you know, I, I had all four of my kids or my last four that are entrepreneurs uh, together one time years back. And, and uh, I said, yeah, have you guys ever thought about just getting a job and all of them like, looked at me like what and one of them go dad he said you've never had a job and I said yeah I did I said I had a job once a couple times and he said not since we've known you he said and the other one says I'm never working for the man <laughs> he said, I'm gonna work for myself and you know so they were they were shocked but I just set the example you know that you know I'm I'm, I'm doing things I love doing they see me doing it they listen in on some of the things I do um, and then once a week, as my wife homeschooled our children, once a week I did a, a class in entrepreneurship, and and I made it simple because I mean I could never have homeschooled them myself, uh, but I do know entrepreneurship, and so I'd take a topic, you know, like um, integrity or uh, building your your network of contacts was one of them, and I remember my 12 year old at the time he was the youngest, um, and So I said, you know, you've got, you got to build your network. And I explained what that was. And he said, so dad, how big is your network? (laughs) He wanted to challenge me. I said, well, pick any city in any major city, over 300,000 people in this country. And I'll make a phone call or give you the number to call somebody, or I could go there and have a place to stay and a meal to eat. He said, no way. I said, pick a city. And he thinks for a minute and he doesn't want to pick one close or anything like that. And he said, Okay, Cleveland, Ohio. And I said, Oh, John and Joel Batante are just really close friends of mine. They both worked for me back when I was with Jim Rohn, and we've maintained contact. They're very successful. They're, you know, uh, uh, John likes, loves to play golf. In fact, I talked to him for three days ago, caught him on the golf course, you know, and uh, he said, Okay, well, let me, uh, let me think about uh, another city. And, and um, he said, uh, New Jersey, uh, or, you know, he said, New York, just New York. And I, I named off like five or six people real quickly in New York. And, but every city, he, uh, I, I, there may have been some that I didn't have a contact in, but every city he picked, I had somebody. And and then he challenged me, and he said, "Where's the phone number?" And I back then I had an address book, and I had everything in the address book. And I pull it out, though. here it is, right here. God, he said, "How did you do that?" I said, "Well, you just you get to know people, and you help them along the way. You know, maybe they work for you, maybe you did something good for them, maybe what? It, but you're not asking of anything for these people I, from the people." I said, "Just do good things," and I said, "You'll have a network," and you know. So I took topics like that. And, and I would talk about like, what's, what's the value of integrity? You know, it, it's, it's the foundation. It should be anyway, the foundation for any business, you know, because integrity builds trust and whether it's a relationship personally or relationship in business, if you have integrity, people trust you. If they trust you, they'll be open to you. If they're open to you, um, they'll bond with you. And if they bond with you, you've got a relationship. Absolutely. You look at your own <laughs> personal relationship, husband, wife, whatever, you know, a, a significant other, that's what happened. Um, unless somebody oversold
0: you on something. You know,
1: but, and that can happen too. You know, but,
0: you know. No question. Well, Jim, this has been an amazing podcast episode. It's probably going to be our favorite one of all time the wow. stories, the experiences, how can the audience connect with Jim Britt and how can they potentially work with you or, you know, get some of your courses or learn just the mountain of information, knowledge, and success that you've, you've achieved.
1: Well, uh, you can go to, uh, dot com. That's B R I T T Jim com, And I've got a lot of different, uh, courses and things on there, but, uh, one of the online courses I just did just, uh, uh, created a few months back, getting great results, already got great testimonies on it. It's called Cracking the Rich Code. And uh, you can go to crackingtherichcode.com. And basically it's, it's designed, it's a four-month course. You get messages every single day and bigger messages every week and videos and d- different things that you do uh, during that four months. And it's designed to change your relationship to money your subconscious programming and your relationship to money. And then I have a program I'm doing with Kevin Harrington from shark tank. And it's a, it's a a book series. Plus I'd say it's a PR marketing branding and lead generation for coaches, speakers, and entrepreneurs. And it's a chance to have a chapter in a book uh, with us um, that uh, Tony Robbins endorsed and, and have your picture on the cover uh, of the book. Uh, so it's a great uh, credibility thing for people starting up or that they need a boost in their business. Uh, it's a great, great book. Uh, the first five have, have gotten number one international bestselling status and uh, we're filling up number six right now. So the, if you're interested in that, just email me at support
0: at dot Guys, Jim Britt, J I M B R I T T.com. It's right there. Jim Britt coaching as well. Just some amazing, amazing information. Fifteen books, is that right? Are they available on Amazon, or where can we get all your well,
1: books? Most of them are, a few of them are out of print, but uh, yeah. most of them are available either Amazon or on my website. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm going to go shopping uh, as soon as we finish here and go ahead and grab some of those. And, got, Jim, I just want to thank you again. It was just a phenomenal, phenomenal hour, and just amazing information. And you're probably going to, if you're listening to this, you're going to want to listen to it and take notes a few times because he pretty much outlined the formula for success in life and business.
1: Well, I appreciate you having me here. Uh, for All right. It. Thanks so my much, pleasure. Jim. We
0: appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure.